Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. It is a privilege to be here. I thank the Lord for this opportunity. Uh, I've been looking forward to it for some time. In fact, uh, I was looking forward to it about a month ago uh, until uh, things turned for the worse for my father, who then passed away. And uh, the funeral for my father was about the time the class was so supposed to be. Uh, and even though, uh, as most churches, you probably had about 9,000 things on your calendar, uh, y'all were gracious enough to allow me to reschedule and, and be here tonight, and for that I'm very grateful. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 is where I'm headed, if you care to join me there. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18. Have you made any decisions today? We make a lot of decisions every single day. Uh, we get up and we decide what clothes to wear. Uh, and then we go to the kitchen and we decide uh, what flavor of coffee to have. Or maybe we delay that a little bit and we decide whether to go to Starbucks or McDonald's. Depending on your priorities. <laughs> uh, we, we decide sometimes what car to drive. We decide whether or not to read our Bible. We decide whether or not to become angry at the person who cut us off in traffic. We make a myriad of decisions every day. And those decisions are based, the the decision we decide, what we decide by a choice of our will, is directly related to our priorities. And I think that's the idea that's coming up in this uh, passage in Matthew chapter 8. It's a matter of priorities that Jesus is bringing to light. Let me read through the passage so you understand a little bit what I'm saying. Uh, Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a commandment to depart to the other side, Uh, probably get in a boat and go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not uh, not where to lay his head. And another disciple said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury the dead. This passage is in the middle of a couple of chapters, Matthew 8 and chapter 9, that are are jam-packed with miracle after miracle after miracle. Jesus is doing these miracles to authenticate that he really is Messiah. He's worthy of following, that he really is uh, giving revelation to them that is revelation from God. And he gets to the point here where he says, hey, let's go to the other side. And it begs the question at that point, who is going to follow him? And ultimately, who is going to be his true disciple? And there are a couple of gentlemen that come up to him in this particular account uh, and and either uh, request to be or offer to be a disciple. And both of them have a faulty priority that Jesus is dealing with. Now, we need to take a step back and ask, what is a disciple, and and how does one behave as a disciple? 
Matthew tells us in chapter 16 and verse 24, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to deny yourselves. Uh, That is, uh, put your will, put your desires, put your thoughts away and replace them with God's will and God's desires and God's thought. We deny ourselves for the sake of submitting to God. We take up our cross, probably a reference to the suffering that will come. Jesus said in in the Gospel of John that uh, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Uh, We live in this culture uh, as sojourners, the Apostle Peter said, because we have a different worldview from those that we live amongst. And, And that causes us to be different enough that sometimes the animosity comes at us. So we are willing, because we are denying ourselves and and accepting and submitting to God's will, that brings to us a bit of suffering at times. And we endure that suffering faithfully. And Jesus says, uh, thirdly, in that description, follow me. Which means that we love as Jesus loved. We suffer as Jesus suffered. We submit to God's will as Jesus submitted to God's will. We become Christ-like. That's the, the, the concept of a disciple. So what about these two gentlemen here is faulty in their priorities, causing them to make poor decisions? Let's look at each of them, uh, but let me tell you what I think both of them are about first. Uh, the first gentleman, uh, I think from him we learn he had, a, he had a problem that he made personal advancement his agenda. The second gentleman made personal agenda his priority. And both of those are problematic if you're going to be a disciple who denies oneself, takes up his cross, and follows Christ. Look at verse 19, a certain scribe Came, un, came and said unto him, Master, uh, the, the, the Greek word there is teacher. So you have a scribe who, whose job is to, to learn the Mosaic law, to study scripture, to be able to help decide uh, in scriptural matters when they come before synagogues. He knows the law, but he, he, and, and he probably was impressed with Jesus because back in chapter 7 and verse 29, it, it says they were amazed by him because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So here's this scribe uh, who knows the, the scriptures, and he sees Jesus teaching as one uh, with authority, not like the scribes. And he comes to him and says, teacher. Uh, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. I will be your disciple. Now understand, when someone was a disciple uh, in this particular context, it generally generally meant that they left home and they went and lived with their teacher. And they were expected to do anything the teacher asked them to do except one thing. Uh, They were not required to wash feet. Uh, That was uh, left for a lower servant in the household as they understood it. But but that's what this gentleman is offering. Teacher, uh, I will come and be your disciple. I'll come and live with you and learn from you so maybe I can teach with authority like you do? Because that was impressive. 
And that's what he's offering himself to. And he's focusing on uh, coming to be a disciple for his own benefit. And I think Jesus perceives that. Uh, And his response, even though this man doesn't say it, but notice Jesus' response. Jesus said unto him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus perceived something about his self-advancement in this. Uh, And and he was offering to be a disciple, follow, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, okay, let me test that theory. (laughs) I don't have any place to lay my head. Uh, Really what he's saying is, I don't have a piece of property for you to come and live with me. You still want to be my disciple? We don't know what his response was. We're not given his response. And I don't think his response is all that important. What's important is we learn that if you're in it for your self-advancement, you're not a good disciple of Jesus Christ. And when we make decisions in our Christian life, uh, it, it ought to reflect that serving God, being a disciple, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him is our priority. Because that brings God glory. And that produces the fruit of the Spirit. And that accomplishes the works that God has ordained for us to do in Ephesians 2.10. That should be our priority, not our own advancement. Jesus even makes this point a little bit more explicitly by how he identifies himself. He says, the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. uh, That that concept of the Son of Man uh, most likely comes uh, from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. And and it really is not referring to, uh, I'm the Son of a man. It's really referring to the fact that he is deity. And he is preexistent. That is, he is God. And he has existed from eternity past. And in that Daniel passage, it also uh, gives the concept that he will have a throne and rule over the world. Uh, All right, so you get this picture? Jesus resides in heaven. He's God. He's going to be the king of the world someday. And yet, he was willing to give all that up to do God's will. It didn't matter to him that he didn't have anywhere to, to, to consider his property. What was more important to him was to be a good servant of God, to do the will of God. So every decision that Jesus made was couched in the concept of what is God's will. That, that's exactly what he was telling his mother at the wedding of Cana. When she came to him and said, they, they've run out of wine, can't you do something about this, like create some? And, and he responds to her, what is it to me, woman? Uh, it doesn't sound as harsh, it's not as harsh as it sounds. Uh, he basically was saying to her, what does my role as Messiah have to do with my role as your son? I can't just perform miracles because it would help the family. I can only perform miracles when it's God's will for me to perform miracles. 
How's that for the master, the teacher, to tell the, the person offering to be his disciple? I was willing to give all of that up to do the will of God. What are you willing to give up? Is that really a priority to you? Because when you came to me, offering to be my disciple, following me anywhere, because you saw all these miracles being done, and you said, you, you saw how I taught, you thought, I want some of that. Bad priorities. If our priority is our personal advancement, we will not be a good disciple of Jesus Christ. Let me give you some examples, maybe. In our culture, there is a growing sentiment from those who don't share our worldview that if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are not fit for public service. What are you going to choose? To be a good disciple? Or to say, well, I really want to be in public service, so I guess I'll have to compromise on some of that. Because I can't get ahead if I follow this disciple thing. That's bad priorities. You won't be a good disciple. Maybe your priority is career over edifying saints. It's not wrong to have a career. It's very helpful if you want to eat. But is your career a priority over edifying saints. A good disciple of Jesus Christ will follow the revelation that Christ gives which says that we ought to edify one another. Do you spend any time edifying or is it all career? From morning to night. If you're a good disciple, and again, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a career. It's not, hard, it's not wrong to work hard. I'm saying, where's your priority? Is there anything in your priority that says, I value as a disciple of Christ edifying folks? What are you doing to edify others? Let me give you another example. You can either buy that new boat or you can give your normal offering to the church. Not wrong to have a boat. But if we have a boat at the expense of the teaching and scripture that we give to the ministry of the Lord, our priority is advancing our uh, portfolio, not on being a good disciple. You saw the same kind of a concept uh, back in Malachi chapter 1. Uh, and and uh, in that particular passage, it talks about the Jews who returned from exile back to, to Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, they, they began to rebuild the temple, but they got distracted a little bit. And they said, you know what? Let's go build our own houses first. And God, through the prophet Malachi, says to them, you have your priorities all wrong. You're more concerned about building your nice houses than you are building God's house because their priorities were out of whack. Is your priority the advancement of self? Or is your priority being a proper disciple of Christ? The second 
uh, difficult, un, 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 inappropriate priority is in verse 21 and 22. And this is the, uh, uh, the, the faulty priority of personal agenda. Verse 21, another of, of his disciples, this isn't a scribe, it's a disciple, said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. It seems like a reasonable request, doesn't it? Uh, you know, my, my father died, can I go bury him? Uh, and in fact, in a Jewish mindset, if you had a close family member die, it relieved you from all sorts of uh, obligations. Uh, you were freed from uh, your, your saying your daily prayers, from uh, the study of the law, from temple observance, from, from sacrifice of Passover, from uh, fulfilling the obligation to circumcise children. All of that you're relieved from if you had a close family member die because you were supposed to go mourn for them. So it seems like a reasonable request, but notice Jesus' response. Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. This man, his priority was, uh, there are things I need to do before I can do what you want me to do. Uh, my personal agenda, doing the things that I think I need to get done, is more important than the things that God wants me to get done. Jesus said, follow me, and the guy says, well, wait a minute, uh, let, let's make a deal here. Let me go bury my father, and after I finish my agenda, then I'll start in on your agenda. It's not the right priority. Now, now this sounds really, really harsh, uh, but I don't think... It's as harsh as it sounds. And I think if we understand something about burial, it becomes more apparent what this man was really asking. There are several different ways to understand this uh, let the dead bury the dead kind of a concept. Uh, some suggest what is being said here is Jesus says to him, uh, let, the, let, let the spiritually dead, let the unsaved, let the faithless bury the dead people. And, and, and if that's the case, you have two different words for dead and very close together. And, and you know, that still doesn't seem very kind of Christ to say, uh, you know, let the unsaved people bury the dead people, even your father. You don't need to go to the funeral. Uh, Jesus wouldn't do that. He wouldn't be that harsh. So then it must be, he, Jesus must be saying, uh, let the physically dead bury the physically dead. Well, that's still a head scratcher, isn't it? How, is there, how are the people that are already dead going to get my dad all wrapped up and spiced up and in the grave on the same day? <laughs> They're not. You know the reality of it? If his dad had died and he needed to bury him, he wouldn't be out following Jesus. In Jewish burial practice, when someone died in that situation where they didn't embalm people, they would get them wrapped up in, in, in cloth and, and spiced up so they didn't stink too bad, and they would get them into the tomb the same day. And then they would fulfill their obligations to mourn for at least a week. If this is when the, his father just died, he wouldn't be there having this conversation. All right, so what's going on then? In, in, in burial practices at this particular time, there were two burials. There was the first burial where he got wrapped up and spiced up and in the tomb right away, or the cave. And then a year later, you had a second burial. 
And that second burial was uh, uh, when you were supposed to go back to that cave uh, and, and collect all of the bones because all of the flesh had uh, been uh, returned to dust by that point, and you collected all the bones. And if you were a wealthy family, uh, you would take all of those bones and put them in an ossuary box. There was uh, some news uh, a couple years ago about the James ossuary, whether it was legitimate or not. And not a very big box, maybe not bigger than this, the top of this pulpit, and, and enough to put the bones in. So a year later, they would go and collect all the bones and put them in a box. Or if you weren't wealthy, uh, you would go back a year later and collect all the bones uh, and then throw them in the family bone pile in the cave. That's what this man was asking. Hey, my dad died a while ago, and sometime within maybe almost a year, I need to go back and collect his bones and deal with them. And Jesus is really saying, let the other bones in the cave take care of the bones in the cave. That shouldn't be a priority. What should be a priority is following me. Don't have your priorities all messed up. That Okay, you have your agenda. You have these things you have to do. Uh, and, and, and unless you do your stuff, that you can't follow Christ. This was not even a necessary thing. What's going to happen to the bones if he doesn't get back there right away? They're not going anywhere. They're not going to get up and walk out. He didn't really need to do this. The other factor that comes into play here is most people suggest that Jesus is towards the end of his ministry when this happens and may not even have another year on this earth. So if this man says, you know what, I'm going to delay six months, Jesus is thinking, okay, I'll be back in heaven by then. Not going to be, it's going to be harder to follow me then. The priorities were all messed up. This man looked at Jesus and said, I'll follow you, but i got to do my priority list first. We ought to say, wait a minute, I'm going to deny my priority list. And, and what's your priority list for me, Lord? I will follow you. I will not refuse to follow you uh, because i got my own stuff to do. Sometimes we do this. Let me give you an example again from Malachi chapter 1. It says this, You offer polluted bread on mine altar. And you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for a sacrifice... Their sacrifice to the Lord was supposed to be the perfect lamb, not a blind one that's not going to sell anyway. They're giving him second best. He said, if you offer a blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to your governor. Will he be pleased with it? Obviously no. No. So what's going on there with those Jews that had returned from captivity? They're saying, you know, you told me to do something, God, but, you know, my agenda is to keep the good animals for me. I'm going to give you the junky ones. That's all right for you, right? No, it's not. They put, his, put their own agenda before Christ's agenda for them. If that's what our priority is, personal agenda 
we're not going to be a good disciple. Maybe some possible examples of this. We are called to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. There, there is a uh, requirement from us, from the Lord, His revelation that says we ought to be faithful uh, as much as possible uh, to, to the gathering of the church. That's, that's what Christ's agenda is for us. Do we do that? Or do we sign our children up for a sports league knowing that practices and games are on Sunday morning? And we say, well, sorry, Lord, I'll come to church like you want me to, but first I've got to go to these games all summer. That's a faulty priority. Or maybe it's not the uh, Sunday sports leagues. Maybe it's the summer, summer condo or the summer cabin. Uh, sorry, I won't, you won't see me at church for another the next three months because it's summer and I've got to go to the weekends, every weekend to the cabin. Now, don't mistake me. I, there's nothing wrong with sports leagues. There's nothing wrong with having a condo or a cabin. There's nothing wrong with going there. But if it becomes a priority in your own personal agenda that causes you to ignore the priorities that Christ gives us, it's problematic. As, as it says in Malachi, you think that's going to please the Lord? Let me give another example that's becoming much more common in our circles. We are given command by our master, Jesus Christ, a command that says, flee fornication. Are you going to make that your priority? Or are you going to say, well, you know, if we live together, we can save money. You know, it's just a piece of paper anyway. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll just do this for a year uh, and, and get used to each other. You've made your own personal agenda a priority, and it's pushed off Christ's agenda. Let me give you a real story from someone I know from long ago in another place. Young woman was in a marriage not happy. Her husband was not real kind to her. She had a, uh, a, a broken washer and dryer for quite some time. And he just kept putting off and putting off and wouldn't really get her another one and made her struggle with it, even though it did damage to clothes quite often. And it became a complete frustration for her, especially when he went out and bought a new vehicle. So she made up her mind. Here is my priority. I'm going to divorce my husband. I'm going to find another man who will treat me better. And then I'll repent of my sins and go back and serve the Lord and it'll all be fine, right? No, it's not all fine. She said, Lord, I'll serve you after I take care of my agenda of getting rid of this one guy and finding a new one. Her priorities were wrong. And it would not and did not please the Lord. And by the way, it did great damage to her children. And you know what? Her true heart was revealed because I don't think she ever repented. I don't think she ever went back to a church to worship the Lord. 
you start down the road with wrong priorities, it's tough to reassess those priorities and change our life to have proper priorities. Are you a good disciple of Jesus Christ? Or do you have priorities that make you a poor disciple? Only denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Christ will be pleasing to him. Father, we're grateful for the truth in this passage. It's a challenge to all of us. We all struggle with having right priorities, with making your agenda our agenda, with not worrying about personal advancement, but worrying about advancing the truth of Christ, advancing the knowledge of our Savior, truly glorifying God. Lord, help us to have right priorities, to be disciples that glorify you. Yes, this in Christ's name. Amen. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.